0: Welcome to Fusion Student Ministries. We hope this message equips and encourages you. Tonight, uh, I had a different message uh, until about four o'clock, and then I stopped that, and I, I'm going with this one. So this is this is hot off the press. So, um, and I, I'm excited about it. Um, tonight's going to be cons- uh, it's going to be called Consider It Pure Joy. And most of you, when I say Consider It Pure Joy, you think of a scripture. I'm be talking about that scripture. Um, tonight. And so James chapter one, verses two through four. By the way, can you guys see with me standing here? Or would it be better? I'll, I'll walk around a lot. Okay. Uh, James chapter one, verses two through four, it says this, consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, when you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith develops perseverance. Perseverance must finish its work so that you may be mature and complete not lacking anything. All right. So how many of you are familiar with that Batman slap meme or memes in general? Yeah. You ever see that like Batman meme where he's like slapping Robin or something like that? So I feel like this would make a good Christian version of like this verse would be a good Batman slap meme, so to speak. And so James actually helped me out. And so I feel like this is how that usually plays out when we say consider it pure joy. I feel like that's probably the most uh, common response to, oh, gosh, stop telling me that. Consider it pure joy. Pow! And so um, I want to read it again, and I want you to start from a fresh perspective for this message. And I'm, I'm going to read it again. So consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters or brothers, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith develops perseverance. Perseverance must finish its, its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. And so I think that we don't like this verse because we don't like knowing that trials and, and temptations and hard times are coming. And we don't really like to acknowledge that. And we certainly don't wanna look for good in, in hard things because we don't wanna say, man, this is, this is a great thing. I mean, it's just not a natural instinct. And obviously it's not a new problem Because James wrote a a letter to the church to tell them to be joyful when hard things happen. And so, as I'm saying this, you should be thinking, well, man, what kind of hard things are going on in my life right now? Because this would apply, this would apply to you. So, what James is saying is we should look at our hard things or the hard things going on in our life as an opportunity, as an opportunity for a good thing. And so. There's a saying, some of you have probably heard this before, and I think it really sums up this scripture. It's just practical. It says, it's not about the cards you're dealt, it's how you play them. Has anybody ever heard that before? It's not about the cards, not the hand you're dealt, it's how you play the hand. That really makes the difference. And so the bottom line is this. I hear a lot of Christians will say this, but I just hear a lot of people in general. um, Whenever they encounter tough times, a lot of times they'll they'll blame God for their tough times, or they'll get bitter about their tough times. But the bottom line is this, and this is where I really want to start this message off, is you know, regardless of whether you're a Christian, regardless of whether you're an atheist, regardless of whether you're sitting in here and you're so tired of being in church, you're not paying attention, regardless of whether you're a Muslim or a Buddhist, it doesn't really matter. You're going to have hard times. They're coming to you. And you can be an atheist. You're still going to have hard times. Matter of fact, Jesus said that. He said in John 16, 33, I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world, you will have trouble, but take heart, I have overcome the world. So for the rest of the night, whenever you do have those hard times, whenever you do have troublesome times come your way, I wanna relook at this scripture and I'm gonna break it up. The first part I wanna look at is just verse two. Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, when you face trials of many kinds. The point that I wanna make out of this is your perspective determines your destination. Your, Your perspective in the trial, your perspective in the hard time determines your destination. So right now, I want you to ask yourself, what is your perspective on the hard times that you're experiencing in your life or maybe you've experienced in your life? And in your mind, you might think, Well, I mean, in comparison to other people, I haven't really had a hard time. But everybody, to some degree, has had difficult times. Maybe it's a test. Maybe it's an issue at home with mom and dad. Maybe it's a problem with some friends. I mean, but what what is your perspective? Do you look at those hard times as an opportunity to learn and grow? Or do you look at them as a burden or a setback only? Or do you look at hard times as... An opportunity to say, God, why are you doing this to me? Or an opportunity to say, God, what are you doing in me? Like, what are you doing in me through this hard time? Um, or do you say, how can God ever fix or use this? Or do you say, God, I can't wait to see how you'll fix and use this. Yeah. See, it's a matter of perspective. And once again, our perspective determines our destination from that point. And so it's easy to fall into like the blame game, um, blaming God for hard things. And 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 if you if you would say, Man, I didn't know other people did that, it's a common thing. You see that all throughout the Bible, people will blame God. People will ask God, you know, God, why are you doing this to me? Um, but it's important to know the source of, of, of a lot of that. And and the source of a lot of that is the enemy. The source of that is Satan. A lot of times, what Satan wants to do is when you encounter a hard time in life, he wants to try to come alongside you and start blaming God for that encounter. He wants to start blaming God for the hard things that you're experiencing. And so I have we have an example and, and of, of Satan trying to shift perspective. Satan trying to shift perspective. So in Genesis um, chapter 2, we see The whole situation with Adam and Eve playing out when God tells Adam, you can eat this apple, right? So pay attention to exactly what God says to Adam, all right? In Genesis chapter two, 15, it says, the Lord God took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to work it and take care of it. And the Lord God commanded the man, you're free to eat from any tree in the garden, but you must not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. For when you eat of it, you will surely die. So it was a simple rule to follow. It wasn't that big of a deal, but God had, in order to reward Adam and Eve, he had to have some option for them to do something wrong. And so the simplest option was don't bite that apple. That's it. But human, human nature sees that it's hard to just listen to those rules, and especially when you've got Satan come and spin things that God said. So check this out. Jump ahead to chapter three. Now the serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, did God really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden? The woman said to the serpent, we may eat fruit from the trees in the garden, but God did say you must not eat fruit from the tree that is in the middle of the garden and must not touch it or you will die. God didn't say anything about touching it, but he's already starting to shift perspective. He's already starting to cause her to question and and replace some things that aren't the right things. You will surely not die, the serpent said to the woman, for God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be open and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. So what is Satan doing here? He's he's shifting their perspective. He's shifting their perspective. See, God's perspective was, hey, I want you to have all of this stuff and I just wanna protect you from knowing things you probably shouldn't know because they're gonna get you into trouble. So. Don't eat this apple. And next thing you know, Satan's over here twisting their perspective. Today, that would sound like um, God just doesn't want things to work out for you. That's what it is. Or God caused that situation. Or God doesn't want you to have that relationship. Or whatever it is. But it's always the God being the bad guy. Satan wants to shift your perspective from God is for me to God is against me. Or so, so God's not for me, God is against me. But the Bible says that he's the father of all lies and that God's word is true. So your perspective determines your destination. So what should our perspective be? Well, Romans eight thirty one and 32 says, what then shall we say in response to this? If God is for us, who can be against us? He did not spare his own son, but gave him up for all of us. How will he not also, along with him, graciously give us all things? And in a few verses later, if we skip to verse 35, we see it says, who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? No, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. So why should we consider it pure joy when trials come our our way or when hard times come our way? And, and the reality is this, because when you're facing those things, you're not by yourself. If you're having issues at home, you're not by yourself. If you're having issues with friends, you're not by yourself. You've got a God who is for you. You've got a God who is for you. And the second point that I wanna bring up from the next verse in, in verse three, that verse says, because you know that the testing of your faith develops perseverance. The testing of your faith develops perseverance. Anybody ever... Um, anybody ever see the karate kid? Let me see, let me see your hands. The first one. First one. Anybody ever see the first? Yeah? Okay. So a lot of the a lot of the older people seen the karate kid. So who remembers Mr. Miyagi? I mean, if you watch the movie, you know Mr. Miyagi. Okay. And then Daniel, or Daniel's son. Right? <laughs> so Mr. Miyagi and Daniel had a unique relationship. So Daniel wants to learn to defend himself and learn to fight, so he goes to Mr. Miyagi. Well, next thing you know, Mr. Miyagi's got him waxing floors, he's got him sanding floors, he's got him waxing fences, sanding fences, he's got him painting houses. And so like the whole time is a large chunk of this movie that he's actually painting this house, and he's waxing on, and he's waxing off, and he gets frustrated and at one point, he finally just kind of blows up on Mr. Miyagi late one night. And, um, and I was going to play the clip, but he cusses a little bit, so I couldn't edit it out in time for the message. So I'll give you the play by play. So anyway, he, he's getting aggravated. And so he starts just accusing Mr. Miyagi. Man, you got me over here. I ain't learning anything about defending myself. I'm not learning anything about martial arts or fighting. I'm just over here painting. I'm waxing on. I'm waxing off. I'm sanding the floor, and he's freaking out. And Mr. Miyagi just, he calms him down and he says, hey, he said, show me wax on. And so he takes him through this process and he makes him wax on. Show me wax off. And he makes him wax off. And and he says, show me sand the floor. And he makes him sand the floor. Show me sand the floor. And then he says, show me paint the brush. So he's, he's painting the paintbrush. And so Mr. Miyagi starts throwing punches at him. And as he throws his first punch, his instinct was to wax off. And as he throws another punch, bow, his instinct was to wax on, right? And then he throws a kick, boom, his instinct. So his instincts were planned out all along. And so when I read, because we know that the testing of your faith develops perseverance, I think, man, it's the test that prepares you. See, he didn't know that he was really getting prepared. Daniel's son thought he was just getting free labor out of the, you know, Mr. Miyagi was Getting free labor out of the deal, and uh he was coming out like a bandit, but in reality, he knew that he was training up Daniel's son to be able to do what was coming next. But my question would be, what if Daniel would have gotten frustrated with Mr. Miyagi and just quit? What if when the hard times were coming, he'd have just said, Look, I had enough hard times, I quit. He'd have never developed the skills he needed to win the tournament that he ended up fighting in for those of you who have seen this movie. Um, he'd have never got the girl, so he got this girl at the end of the movie. Woo-woo. Uh, he'd have not won the prize, right? A whole lot wouldn't have happened if he wouldn't have submitted to the process. And so the truth is that God has a purpose for every test that comes your way. Every time there's a difficult time that comes your way, God can use that some of the tests God allows, an example would be like David. David faced all these lions and these, and these bears in the wilderness and that prepared him, just like Mr. Miyagi's situation, that prepared him to be able to slay Goliath. That prepared him to be able to lead armies. Everything built on each other, but it all started small, right? God allowed those tests to happen. Now, some tests come from persevering and standing strong against temptation, which aren't from God. God. Satan will send you things to tempt you and try to trip you up and try to pin that on God, but God, we know, does not send those things. Regardless of how it comes, though, this is what I want you to know. One thing is certain, God will use that to prepare you for what's next if you embrace the process. Hard times, they're unavoidable, they're coming, and the older you get, the more you'll have. But if you'll embrace the process, God will use it to prepare you. Romans 8, 28 says, and we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. I love that scripture. If, if your experience hasn't matched with that yet, Chris Valentin puts it a way that I really like it. He says, you can just deduct from that scripture. If it isn't good, it isn't finished. If it isn't good, God isn't finished. Now, the test prepares you. The third thing, is the process completes you. Verse four, perseverance must finish its perfect work so that you may may be mature and complete, not lacking anything, not lacking anything. So earlier I mentioned that Satan will try to shift our perspective and he likes to change our thought process from uh, God is, is he's not for me. So he likes to make us think, man, God's against me. God's not for me. Because I've had, I'm having this difficult time in my family, or this this tragic situation happened, or this breakup happened, or whatever. God can't be for me, and that's what God, that's what Satan wants to try to do. But many times there's a reason that God will delay prayer, or God will allow things to happen. And I have a I have an example, and I want you to put yourself in this example. So, guys, you're gonna have to put yourself in in, in this example. Uh, girls, you're going to have to put yourself in, a, in this example. So this guy really, really, really wants to date this girl, and then he really wants to marry this girl, and then this girl really wants to date this guy and really wants to marry this guy. So girls, let's say that you're praying, you're just praying for that guy, and it's like, God, why are you taking so long? Or guys, you know, you're praying for that girl, why are you taking so long? So, girls, question. Let's put yourself in this position. How many of you girls want to marry a guy that never showers ever? Or I say ever. Like three days he you don't know, shower, but like every three days? Any any girls want to marry a guy like that? No? Because I know guys like that who don't shower, but like every two days or three days. What about, what about guys who they get in bed full of sweat from the day and like they didn't shower for two days, they just sleep in their bed like that? No? Girls? Anybody? Any girls? No? All right. What about a guy that tracks mud all over the house? He comes in full of muddy shoes, pow, tracks mud all over the house. Want to marry a guy like that? Or what if, what if, he, what if he just doesn't have a job, doesn't plan on getting a job, not trying to get a job? Uh, what if he doesn't help around the house? And making my point, you don't want to marry a guy like that. Well, guys, let me flip the script, guys. Guys, which, which of you want to marry a girl that never showers? No. How about, how about this? All right, let me take, guys, let me take you through this. And girls, I guess this would apply to you too, but guys, you see this really sweet girl. She's really nice. She's nice to everybody. She's cute. And you start just, you know, talking. And next thing you know, she starts picking her nose. And it's just like, oh, man. And then she just burps real, real, real loud like a 300-pound man. It's like, what? wow. so, But you don't find that out. All right. Who wants either one of those options? Any guys out there are like, yeah, that's my kind of girl. No? Okay. If that ever happens, run. All right. But, but, but seriously, seriously, those are, those are silly examples. But the point that comes out of that example is that in order to receive what you're praying for, you need to be sure to be complete, not lacking anything. And sometimes that's an example of a trial, man. the trial of enduring or waiting, or if, somebody, if your mom says, hey, I don't want you to date until this age, or if your parents say, hey, I don't want you together at this point in time, really, that might seem trialsome, but maybe you're avoiding ending up with the guy who, I don't know, or the girl who picks her nose, or maybe you're avoiding that. Maybe God in this process is, and then maybe, maybe this, maybe you're the guy who still don't shower until you for two days and then you get in bed. Maybe this message is for you. Maybe you're the girl that picks her nose in front of the guys. Stop doing that, right? But the bottom line is this. God has a process, and if you submit to the process, he will mold you. And he will mold you, and he will mold whoever else is involved in the process, and that's in any situation, not just the dating situation. That's in getting ready for the job you're going to get after, after high school or college. That's in getting ready for being a dad or a mom one day. God wants to mold you, and you may want something right now, but if you resist God's process or if you, if you have the wrong perspective, he'll never have a chance to mold you and make you what you need to be. And I really want to I want to get this point across. If you embrace the process, this is this scripture really um, facilitates what I'm trying to say in Habakkuk 2, 3. It says for the revelation awaits an appointed time. It speaks of the end and will not be proven false, though it linger. Wait for it. It will certainly come and will not delay. So what God is talking about in, right here is right before this, he's telling them, write a message down on a tablet. He's saying, hey, I've given you a vision, I've given you a desire, I've given you something. Write it down and it's going to come. But God's what God is saying is, hey, at just the right time, it's going to come. It's not going to come a moment too early because imagine this, what if, on a serious note, guys, what if the girl of your dreams walked by today, but God still has Two years of work left to do on you to make you the guy that she's wanting. That'd be torturous, man, to be serious. I mean, the very thing you want walks right by you and she's totally not interested because you haven't had you haven't been, you know, submitted to God's process. Or vice versa. You gotta submit to God's process. And this is the this is the good news of all of that. James 112 says this blessed is the man or woman who perseveres under trial. Because when he or she has stood the test he will receive the crown of life that God has promised to those who love him. And so this is what I want us to do. This is what I want us to do. I want us to stand. I'm gonna close, but I want you to envision something. I'm going to, I want you to just close your eyes right where you are. And I want you to just envision this. I'm gonna reread this scripture. But before I do that, I wanna read something. I'm gonna read it slow and allow the Holy Spirit to take that and just speak it to you. It'll apply differently, but right where you are, no talking. If you're talking right now, you're doing it at the wrong time. So just right where you are, just close your eyes. And I just want to read you three things. Your perspective determines your destination. How you see the trial determines of how you're going to come out of it. Your perspective determines the destination. What is your perspective? right now? What is your perspective? Is it a perspective that says there's no way God can do anything here? Or is it a perspective that says, God, I can't wait to see what you're going to do here? What is your perspective? The second thing, the test prepares you. The test prepares you. Are you looking to see how this test that you might be in is preparing you? Or are you just so focused on the fact that it might be a tough time? It might be a a burdensome time. The test prepares you. And the third thing, the process completes you. What if the very thing you want the most came by right now? What if that opportunity came by right now and you haven't submitted to the process so you're not complete? You wouldn't be able to sustain it. So are you submitted to the process? read that scripture one more time and i'm just going to ask that the holy spirit would just minister to you he can take a scripture and directly apply it to your situation james 1 verses 2 through 4 says consider it pure joy my brothers and sisters when you face trials of many kinds because you know that the testing of your faith develops perseverance Perseverance must finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything, not lacking anything. So I'm just gonna pray over you. And as I'm praying, I just want you to be thinking along that. Are, you, are, you, are your perspectives correct? Are you enduring the process? Are you embracing the process? Lord Jesus, I just pray that right now you would just speak to each person individually right where they are. Lord, I pray that this message would just be custom-tailored to them. God, I pray that you would show them how to embrace the process in their life. Whatever it is they're, they're desiring, Lord, show them how, if they submit and surrender to your process, you can mold them. God, give them wisdom. Let them, give them insight. Give them knowledge and understanding. Lord, let them come alongside you to see what it is you're doing in their life. God, I pray that they would begin to trust you a little bit more a little bit more, a little bit more every day. And Lord, I, I pray that if Satan would try to turn anything around on you, if Satan would cause them to question, does God really turn, work all things together for the good of those who love him and are called according to his purpose? Does he really do that? If he would come with those questionings, accusative questions, those questions of doubt, Lord, I pray that you would expose exactly what is going on that you would would remind them that he's the father of all lies, that you are a God who will never leave them, never forsake them, that you are for them, not against them. And that regardless of the trial that's coming in their life, regardless of the hope that they have in their life, regardless of the desire, there's nothing too big that you can't do. And there's nothing too small that you don't care about. And so Lord, we love you. And God, I just pray a blessing over every student, every person in here. Lord, I pray that they would grow in their relationship with you not just their knowledge of you, they'd grow in their relationship with you. God, I pray that they would ask you to be a part of every part of their life and that they would learn from experience that the more you're involved with, the better things turn out. Now, Lord, I just pray that as they go on about the rest of their week, God, I pray that you would give them favor, whether that be with parents, with teachers, with friends, whoever it would be, give them favor. Lord, I pray that you would continue to grow relationships in their lives and friendships in their lives. And God, I just pray that as they're growing in all these things, you keep them safe. Lord, I pray that you would just keep your hand of protection over every student in here. God, let let not a, a hair on their head be touched. And it's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Again, thanks for joining us. For more info on Fusion, you can check us out on YouTube. Facebook, or Instagram.